Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wiley, nothing personal, word of the day, February 17th. We're a little late today. It's been that kind of day. You can read the Herald story with what I was doing earlier today. Not really time to talk about it quite yet, but when we do, it'll be fun. But the word today is Wiley, my favorite cartoon character. It used to be Scooby-Doo. I love the super friends, but the number one is the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. And just, you can at me at David P. Sampson if you disagree. And if you don't know what the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour is, then you haven't lived. I don't like when people say that because it's maybe it's your age. Maybe you just don't have an opportunity to know what the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour is. But the Roadrunner is chased incessantly by Wiley E. Coyote. I keep a bunch of pictures on my phone of Wiley Coyote. He's the guy, the coyote, the guy, the coyote who sort of holds up his umbrella when the sky's falling and it still crushes him. Chases the roadrunner off a cliff and he falls down. Wiley Coyote, I, I think, dies 10 times each Bugs Bunny Roadrunner hour. But Wiley E. Coyote, I couldn't make it NHL, right? That wouldn't be a good word of the day. We don't talk a lot of hockey here. I wish we did talk a little more. I love hockey. I love playoff hockey. I love game seven playoff hockey. I love game seven overtime playoff hockey better than any other sport playoff moment. Overtime in the playoffs in NHL. <clears throat> but our story today is about those wily coyotes in the desert. Coke and I were doing what we do, looking around, reading a bunch of stuff, talking about what are people talking about? What's the athletic doing today? Let's take a look. Uh-oh. We have two athletic stories in a row on this random pizza Wednesday with pepperoni, if you so choose, with the accompanying guilt. The Coyotes are an organization that have been, shall we say, under intense scrutiny for many years. Not a lot of success on the field, ice. Not a lot of success in the C-suite, some ownership issues. Brought in a new owner, Save the day. His name is Alex Morello. He came in, and I like watching new owners and what they do. And we talk about new owner itis and what it means to come in when you buy a team and the changes you make, trying to take advantage of everything that was wrong and make it better. We've touched on that with the Marlins. We'll touch more on it with the Mets, with what Steve Cohn's doing. Sometimes you inherit a mess and you have to fix it. <laughs> yes, you do. Sometimes you inherit greatness and you have to keep it. it. can be just as hard. But one thing that is very clear with the Coyotes, I'm going to just call them the Wileys for this segment, just so you know. They're going to be the Wileys. I like that name better. 
the one thing with the Wileys is that they've come in and there's been a tremendous amount of uh, unrest, shall we say. A lot of changes made, a lot of changes in personnel, a lot of changes in policy. The Athletic wrote a scathing article about Alex Morello and the way he runs the team. Running by fear, not a big deal. Do you know George Steinbrenner? This is a true, Coca, this is a true George Steinbrenner story. He would make his employees stay at their desks just in case he would want something from them. Now, this was pre-cell phone, of course. And like after the game, he'd walk through, and if you weren't at your desk, you could get in serious trouble. George Steinbrenner would have whims, and he would rule by whim very often in the beginning of his career. When I joined the Marlins Coca, do you know my assistant, Beth, who I absolutely can't live without, takes care of me, family, just I can't live without her. Been with her since 2002. Did I ever tell you the story? Totally. I'm sorry, Coca. This is what happens when we tape in the afternoon and I have low blood sugar. Came in and I needed an assistant. And the assistant I inherited was someone very nice. And she had worked for the previous uh, owner, John Henry. So she's working for me because that's, I inherited her. And the first day she gave me a list of calls I was getting back then, I would have a call sheet. It wasn't, you actually had an office phone. You'd call the office phone. Hello, David Sampson's office. No, he's not here. Lie, I'm always there. Uh, hold on, who's calling? Oh, oh, sorry, he's in a meeting. No, I just don't want to talk to you. Or yes, I can get him, I'll put you through. That's when I'm waiting for a call or I need something. So get a list of calls. And she said to me day one in, in Miami, um, okay, this person called, this person called. What does this person want? And what are you going to talk about? Because under the previous boss I had, he always told me everything that was going to be discussed. So I would be able to assist him in that way. To which I then went to human resources and said, I'm going to be needing a new assistant. So I was introduced to Beth, who had worked for various people in the organization prior to my arrival. And we had an understanding from the beginning that I wanted the call sheet, but when I need you to be involved in the subject, I'll let you know. It turns out that she's involved in all sorts of things, uh, but that grew over time. But she doesn't ask me what a call is about or who I'm talking to. She waits for me to tell her and explain it to her. But the Marlins under the previous regime, they were not allowed to leave their desk during lunch because it's possible there'd be a call that the baseball operations department would need to get. So there's all sorts of different ways that people operate. And I get it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not criticizing it. But that's not what The Athletic was talking about, Coca, as you very well know. With the Wileys, what was going on was a environment of not just fear, not just loathing, but discomfort, lack of understanding of roles, a little bit of harassment, maybe. A little bit of unsavory activities. Alex Morello was not too happy to read this article. Do you know why these articles happen, by the way? I just want to explain. Uh, we would get called by 
members of the media. Hey, I'm working on a story. We're going to give you a chance to comment, but this is the basis of the story, that you are a cheap son of a bitch. That's what we're going to write. And I would say, I don't want to comment until the end. And then let me know what you have, and then I'll respond. Or I'll respond by saying, I'm not going to respond, but give me a chance to at least respond. There is no media outlet, there is no reporter who will not call the subject of an article before it is written and ask for a response. The gotcha journalism is not in existence anymore because it is a better article, more easily approved by legal when the other side has an opportunity to discuss the claims that you are making against him, her, or them. The claims in this case were being made by ex-employees, Alex Morello has been clear to point out that their ex-disgruntled employees, that's the only type of employees you learn anything from, you silly goose. It's the ex-disgruntled employees, but reporters know better. It's their job. They don't just take the ex-disgruntled employees' word for it. They have to check because the editors and the publishers need to make sure that it is a true story that can withstand litigation because our only cause of action when a story was going to be written about something that was true that we didn't want out was to say, if you release this story, I'm going to own your paper. By the way, they'd sell it to us now. They're not worth anything. I'm going to own your website and your subscribers and all those people who leave reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to own them too. That's called the RSS feed. I'm going to own it all. I only had to use that once, Coco. you remember when I was accused of being of saying something that I didn't say to Scott Boris and it wasn't my voice. I told that story, I think. Coke, have I ever told you that story? When I was accused terribly of a, and on video of having said something on audio and it wasn't me. And that, remember when we said, hey, if you run with that, I will own you. They checked their lawyers and they said, you know what? It's true. He will own this publication. Not that I wanted it. God knows I wouldn't want that one. But in any case, litigation is the sword that is used by the subject of the story. We're going to get to that in a minute. So here's what Alex Morello tried to do and what he said to defend himself. He said, I run a great business. I've run amazing casinos and banks and yada, yada, yada. I'm a billionaire. So I'm going to buy this Coyotes team and I'm going to change them into the Wileys, and we're going to do things the way I like to do them. We're going to make you explain every single expense. We're going to make sure that you know that we have a say in hockey operations. We're going to make sure that you know that we have a say in business operations and the way it's been done before. We're going to do it differently because this team has lost money hand over fist for years. We're going to keep good track. One of the great mistakes that new owners make when they buy sports teams is thinking that sports teams are run like their other businesses and the way they run their other businesses is how they're going to run the sports team. Trust me when I tell you, it doesn't work that way. When I first got into sports, I'd run a business before I'd worked in a big business. I'd run a small business and I tried to apply those lessons into baseball very quickly as a young president at 31 years old when I became the EVP of the Expos. I've told you and admitted to you that it was eyewash that I would call 7 a.m. meetings and that I would explain exactly the process I wanted. And that was the process I was used to on Wall Street or in my own business. 
without even listening or caring to hear what processes were in place. And then over time, you get a little more secure, you get your sea legs under you, and you realize that reinventing the wheel for the sole purpose, do you know why it's called reinventing the wheel, Coca? Do you know why you don't want to reinvent the wheel? Why would you change perfection? You don't want to reinvent the wheel. You'd like to make it nicer to look at, maybe more efficient, make it so it can go faster, make it so it doesn't have to be repaired as often. But the invention of the wheel is the perfect invention. Sports teams have things that are inherent to running sports teams that cannot be changed. I'm not talking about the culture of the organization because we all say, hey, we want to run a family organization. Yeah, whatever. They all say, we actually did. And if you speak to people who used to work with me, I think the overwhelming number, even some of the disgruntleds would say that we really did try to run it that way because we were a family. <laughs> we really were. But you say that. You say that you want to have certain processes in place, certain reporting structures where you have an idea of why the budgets are the budgets, when you understand why you're doing business with this person or that person. But what the Wileys did is they came into Phoenix like bats out of hell and they tried to renegotiate deals with sponsors and season ticket holders saying, we're losing money. We can't do business this way. We have to do business that way. We need a refund on this. We're not going to pay those bills. We're only going to pay that percentage of this bill. They did that nonstop without recognizing that as a member of the community, as a private public company, you have to build relationships. I spent years and years building relationships in Miami. Years and years. And it paid off. All the way up to 2021 in February, it paid off. You can't skip that step. You can't come in as a foreigner and believe that you've got a toehold. This isn't the wild, wild west. We're not forging new ground, discovering new areas, planning new civilizations. You're not doing any of that. You're running a sports team. It's different. You just have to know that. The Cody's were none too happy with the Wileys and with the athletic and you know what they did? What do you think they did for us here at Nothing Personal to make this the lead story? What do you think they did on three? Raise your hand, close your eyes, and I'm going to whisper it. I'm going to mute myself when I say it. What do they do? One, two, three. Did you get it? Did you say a word that starts with S and ends with T? S-T-A-T-E-M-E-N-T. -E -E and it was L-O-N-G-G-G. Arizona Coyotes issued the following statement in response to the story posted by The Athletic. We are very disappointed that The Athletic for several months has condoned a harassment campaign against Mr. Alex Morello, the Arizona Coyotes, the Morello Group, and dozens of current employees and former employees. Because that's really what The Athletic does, right? That's what they try to do. They try to do harassment. No, 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 no. Don't ever say that. Don't say that. We question the potential reliance by The Athletic on disgruntled ex-employees who have proven to be untrustworthy and lacking in candor on confidential non-public information. Ooh, that's an easy one to say. You know why? Because if it's true, you would have sued those disgruntled employees for violating that confidential, not public information. Hmm, hmm, where's that lawsuit? Huh, Alex? Did you file it? 
No, I didn't think so. Okay. And then you get to pull out the C card. I would have used that if I were still running the team. You have to use the C card to explain why you cut certain things, right? You say COVID, 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 COVID. But then they did it. The last paragraph before the end. The denouement, if you will. We are very disappointed that you have chosen to overlook the massive investment that Mr. Morello has made during this economic downturn into hockey operations. From hiring a Stanley Cup winning GM and Bill Armstrong, who, by the way, was part of the problem in the story. And a full staff of top tier hockey personnel, because, you know, that's what every fan wants. They want very heavy on top in management, just a, a president of baseball ops and a GM, an assistant GM, four assistant GMs. The most you can do. Yeah, that's what they want. No. So they talk about all that all the investments they make, but that's not how you end the statement. You end the statement by talking about community. My name is David Sampson. As president of the Miami Marlins, I did the following 10 things in the community. I'm a good community partner. I care about you. I really do. I care about business. And in order to do business, I have to care about you. But when you do a statement, when you're being impugned for the way you run your team, I am P-U-G-N. You know, it's in the middle of impugn. P-U. You have to invoke your love of community. <laughs> so they did. They disregard, they disregarded the commitment Mr. Morello has made to position the Coyotes as a well-respected community leader, as a recognized benefactor of youth hockey, and as a champion. Wait for it, it's 2021. You bet your bippy you got to say this in every statement. We are a champion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, by the way, we will be exploring all of our legal options in response to the athletic. We will not have any further comments. Um, you already said it all. You know what legal action they have against the athletic coca? Do you want to know? Zero. Less than zero, Andrew McCarthy and Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Gertz. Less than zero. Man, taken over from a previous owner's tough. We had to take over from John Henry, who bailed on Miami, said he'd build a stadium and didn't. Jeter had to take over from me, who said he'd build a stadium and did, said he'd bring a World Series and did, said he'd trade players and did, said he'd get a new TV deal and did, said he couldn't get a naming rights deal and couldn't. Anyway, Jeter took over, had to make some changes, do things his way, but got to say he was cleaning up the mess of the prior administration. Steve Cohn in New York gets to do that. He gets to say we are cleaning up the mess that existed under the previous owners. I'm not sure it was a mess at all. I have great respect for Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon. I really do. They are menches in every sense of the word. The reality is the Mets were run as a mid to large market team in a very large market city where they were not the large market team in that city. They're not the Yankees. Now, could Steve Cohn make them the Yankees? He did this offseason. By the way, Coca, I'm going to do this one final time. Steve Cohn is trying to make the Mets the Yankees, and he did it by signing Trevor Bauer 
George Springer and JT Ralamuto. That's what the Yankees do. You get all the best big free agents. And that's what Steve Cohen did because he wants to be the Yankees. And yet you're all DMing me at Twitter at David P. Sampson saying, that's the fourth time you've said this. They didn't get those guys. I know that now. I predicted he would and he didn't. So I was wrong. So I keep saying it, thinking the more I say it, the more it may come true. He didn't do it. The Athletic had a story, another story, about another problem in the Mets organization. And his name, his name is Ryan Ellis. Do you know I read in the, thank you, Coca, by the way. Coca whispered the name. Coca is, this is show 312, right? So he knows my intonations. I mean, this is like when you're in sync. It's like when you're doing the tango and there is no need to do anything other than wear flip-flops. Any dancers get that? Any dancers get that? Anyway, the Mets fired a guy named Ryan Ellis. Who's Ryan Ellis? Major League hitting coordinator. Is that a big story? Let me tell you. Ryan Ellis did what Jared Porter did, not 62 unanswered text messages. But many women have come forward saying that Ryan Ellis used his position of power to make younger women quite uncomfortable. One of the women admitted to an affair with him, and then he tried to continue it. She wanted to stop it. Other women came out and said they were uncomfortable. The Mets discovered this under Steve Cohn, and they fired him in the last two weeks. Were they thinking it wouldn't come out? Well, it came out. Why do I know Ryan Ellis? I don't. Why should I know Ryan Ellis? Because if I lied to you, like other people do, I would say, oh, Ryan Ellis, that's the guy I drafted in the 28th round of the 2000 draft from the Montreal Expos. I was the executive vice president of the team. I was. I didn't know who the 28th round pick was. I never heard the name Ryan Ellis before. They can draft anyone they want in the 20th round. I'm going to know the first round pick, second, third, fourth, and fifth. If we're going to pay extra, like with the Grady Sizemore, I'm going to know. But a guy in the 28th round, eh, unless it's OP owner's prerogative, I'm not going to know. Unless he starts making it through the system, then I'll know. I would get a list. Here's a little nugget. I would get a list from the farm director every year of the prospects to watch. Who do I need to pay attention to? Because I would get game reports sent to me, emailed every day. And I would look at box scores and I would read the reports on each player, but only the players I cared about. And that list came from the farm director. Their, their team presidents say, oh, I go scout the minor leagues. I'm not a scout. I'm a president. I'm not good enough to be a scout. You can't just become a scout when you say, oh, I'm the president. Now I know who's a good player and I know who's not a good player. I know who's going to be a good player. Not how it works by any stretch. I don't know if you know this, but the Coyotes actually, uh, Coca's reminding me that I should have covered this. He had his son become a scout and it didn't really work out very well. And now he is the head of something else in the company. Do what you do, do it well. Don't delude yourself into thinking you can do something you can't do just because you have the power that you could say you can do it. Just because you have the power to say you can do something doesn't mean you actually can do it or should do it. Maybe you just can't do it at all and then have the power to say I can't do it. So I don't know who Ryan Ellis is. I just don't know. I'm literally literally recording the show. I'm literally recording the show right now, so I have to go. So the question is this. I'm not going to pretend I knew Ryan Ellis because I didn't. He goes to the Mets. He works his way up. He's a minor league manager. He's blah, 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 blah. The Mets had to fire him. Steve Cohn could have said, this was a Wilpon issue that we had to clean up. Does that sound familiar? Because it's happening in Miami all the time. We got to clean up the mess. 
Steve Cohen's taking the high road. He easily could have said, we do not tolerate what used to be tolerated. The minute we found out something went on, even though it was before I got here, we put the hammer down. But Steve Cohen actually said, the minute we found out about it, we made a decision to let the employee go. Now, it was done very quietly because it's becoming a thing. And they were careful to say that Sandy Alderson was on leave at the time of his hiring into the Mets organization or at the time of these accusations, which were back in 2017, 2018. There was actually an official complaint filed to HR about Ryan Ellis. They did an investigation into Ryan Ellis and they found what investigations find when you want to keep that person in your organization. And that is not me being cynical. That's exactly what happens before this year. Now, investigation means termination, which is why I still believe Mickey Callaway will be terminated also for what he did with the Mets. But he's now the Angels pitching coach. You remember that story from a couple weeks ago. He's only suspended now. I will make the investigation find whatever I wanted to find if I want to get rid of an employee. And if I want to get rid of an employee because they represent or they did something that goes against what we represent, we are going to make sure we can get rid of that employee. Hard stop. The Mets found two years ago, three years ago, that there was not enough meat on the bone. And so they put a letter in his file. That's called paper in the file, which is what you do to employees when you want to fire them later and not pay them severance or not pay them out on their contract. It's called paper in the file. It's why you do employee reviews. Do you think that employee reviews are done for you, the employee? No. They're done for your employer. The employers could not care less what you get out of your employee review. It is done for legal purposes only. LPOs, every one of your reviews. The minute you do something wrong, it's in your file. And those files are used to hold your salary down. And they're used to get rid of you when you may be a minority or you may have tenure. Steve Cohn didn't get rid of Ellis until more came to the forefront. And then he did. I guess that's how it goes, Coco, right? Steve Cohn telling us how he's going to run the team. I hope it changes because that's not how he ran his old company. But I think it's changing. I hope it is. And if you think it's not Steve's issue, what happened under Will Ponder, if you think it's not Steve's issue, what happens to people he's never heard of, it becomes your issue really fast when you're a new owner. Well, spring training's today, folks. That's where I wasn't today. It's weird. I went to the dentist today, by the way, and I got my teeth cleaned and the dentist wasn't there because he was at spring training because the physicals are today and you get your teeth looked at, they're really just looking for gum disease for the players who chew tobacco, even though they pretend they don't, but they always do, even though we're not allowed to have in the clubhouse, but we always did. When you're asked to get something, you get it if you're a clubby because you get tipped. So anyway, that would be a whole nother show, by the way, is crazy things clubbies have done for players because they're asked to do it. Anyway, so my dentist was doing the exam because he was the Marlins dentist, is the Marlins dentist. I hope he doesn't lose his job now that Jeter will realize that he's still using the dentist we used. Anyways, great dentist. If you're looking for a dentist, his name is Ira Koch. He was doing stuff, first day of spring training. So this is the time when you meet the media. We talked about that yesterday, I think. The White Sox met the media today, and it was awesome. The White Sox, as you may remember, hired the almost octogenarian Tony La Russa to be their manager. They've got Rick Hahn as their GM, president of baseball ops. It's Kenny Williams. They've made a lot of moves this offseason. They had a very good year last year. They made even more. They signed the best bullpen arm on the market. Liam Hendricks left Oakland to go to Chicago, signed that $54 million deal, if you recall. They have that great young player, Louis Robert. They still have Lucas Giolito in their rotation. 
They re-signed Carlos Rodan. They have Dallas Keuchel from last year. Whatever, they've got a good team. When you go into spring training, and I talked about this either on a radio show or on this show. Coca, did I talk about meeting the team and always having hope? I don't know if I did that on the show. Anyway, you meet the team before spring training starts. You have a team meeting and you talk about expectations, you go over rules. And one of the things you always say is, listen, ignore the projections. Oh, I think we did talk about projections on Nothing Personal. Anyway, ignore the projections. We're going to be good. If you're supposed to be good, we say pay attention to the projections and you better work hard to live up to them so we don't disappoint them. If you project to be bad, you say ignore them. It's just you do you, you spin it however you want to spin it to make sure that you've got hope. And you're doing that because then you get to meet the public and the media and you get to say, we're in it to win it. This is our year. What Rick Hahn did today is a bit of a concern to me. He said, as we sit here today, I'm going to explain why he started with that. The goal is to win a World Series championship. And so, Rick Hahn said, if we fall short of that, it would be a disappointment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you got to talk about making the playoffs. Everyone wants to win the World Series, but you know you got to make the playoffs to win the World Series. Once you're in the playoffs, a lot of things have to happen that you dan- that you don't control. Everyone has a goal to win the World Series championship. The reason why he says as we sit here today is because tomorrow his top two starters could get injured. Tomorrow Hendricks could be ineffective and become a, a bad closer. Tomorrow Louis Robert could have sophomore blues. Tomorrow all sorts of stuff could happen, but today the goal is to win a World Series championship. That leaves open the possibility of trading a bunch of guys at the deadline if they stink, by the way, just so you know. So I don't like that he said that because it basically isn't saying anything. And if you're going to meet the media, which you do before the start of the official spring training, give me some something good. Give the writers something, something with meat that they can chew on. Well, LaRusso met the media. He gave him some good stuff. He talked about his DUI. Do you remember when he got caught in Jupiter, Florida in 2007 when he was manager of the Cardinals and I was with the Marlins and we had spring training together and he was caught sleeping at a red light? Remember what his quote was in 07, anybody? I had Coca find it. It was easy. It was an embarrassment. I regret it and I take responsibility. That was LaRusso's quote in 07. Fast forward 14 years. I made no excuses. It was an inexcusable mistake. It has cost as much embarrassment personally as possible. Anyone to think that this wasn't something that had a very negative impact. I mean, part of the embarrassment and negative feelings is the impact on the organization and the fans and the people that hired me. So it turns out that Tony's saying the same thing in 2021 that he said in 2007. I wonder if that means that he didn't learn. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I do know. The reason why you have to say that in a statement when you're talking about a DUI when you've had more than one is you have to up the ante a little bit. And I just don't think Tony remembered what he said in 07 because he didn't, he only upped the ante by saying that it was an inexcusable mistake. He talked about how hard it was, the embarrassment, the pressure that Jerry Reinsdorf felt after he hired him, knowing that he had the DUI and knowing he would be criticized for the hire. Tony, you've got a big light on you. It's the spotlight. Your GM wants to win a World Series. You are trying to make your hiring excusable and your behavior excusable. Guess what, White Sox? 
you've put a lot of P-R-E-S-S-U-R-E on your players, and some of them are Y-O-U-N-G, and you're hoping that A-B-R-E-U is going to be like an MVP, A-G-A-I-N, and I'm not so sure. I got to wait to see for you guys. The White Sox won the World Series in 2005. They made the playoffs in 2008 and 2020. They haven't won a playoff series. Had their first winning year last year, but it was only 60 games. Here's my way to see. Do you want it? Do you want it? All right, I'm going to give it to you. Do you know they're 10 to 1 to win the World Series? 10 to 1. Fifth highest. Wait to see. I'm sorry. It's going to be bust. They say it's World Series or bust, and I say bust. They're not going to win the World Series, but that's too easy a wait to see. So I'll go one step for, further on my way to see Coca. They're not going to play in the World Series. They're not the best team in the American League. And even if everything comes together for them, and I hope it does, but it's still not going to be good enough to win the pennant. Wait to see. All right. We got a big movie to review. We got to do the pick of the day. And I want to talk a little bit with you about some. So you want to talk to Samson that someone sent to me. We're going to get to all that right after the break. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet. And we're a little past the time if you download in the mornings. It's late right now. I'm sorry about that. I had stuff that was unavoidable. That's not an excuse. I'm not an excuse maker. I could have gotten up earlier. I was up earlier. We just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I still get to watch a movie every single day and I get to review it. And Coca gave me this one. It's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. And it's on a channel. Um, Coca, what channel was it on? Amazon? The Map of Tiny Perfect Things with two people I'd never heard of. Kyle Allen and Catherine Newton. The father is played by Josh Hamilton. 
who I loved as a kid in Alive. He was one of the soccer players in Alive. Totally shocking. And I guess I will say this. The movie is like Groundhog Day. It's like Palm Springs. It's better than Palm Springs, which I loved. Not good as Groundhog Day, which I loved, but it's more meaningful, more emotional, full of more surprises. It is well worth your time. I want to tell you only in a spoiler what the map of Tiny Perfect Things. It's Bill Murray making a perfect ice sculpture of Andy McDowell's face. It's Bill Murray making sure that Ned doesn't step in the pothole full of water. It's making sure that today the homeless man doesn't die. The map of tiny perfect things are things you can do when you've got a day that never ends. Check out the map of tiny perfect things. I really do think you're going to like it. And once I can spoil that, I'd like to talk about the end and the emotion of it. Nothing personal pick of the day. Can we say we're hot yet? Do you know that the Lakers were seven and a half point favorites over the T-Wolves? Do you know what the final score was? 112-104. Uh-oh. Uh, what's that? Is that a Britney Spears song? Looks like we did it again. 21 and 16. If I'm going to take the losses, I get to celebrate the wins. Oh, it's oops. Sorry, Coco. Oops. Looks like we're going to do it again. 21 and... Wait, are we going to get in trouble? Did we sample that music too much? Is that how it goes? Looks like oops. Oopsie daisies. Go watch... By the way, Notting Hill when he says oopsie days. Okay, 21 and 16, Lakers seven and a half over the Wolves. We won. I got a game tonight that there, obviously there's something wrong. Um, the Warriors are giving a, a point to the Heat. Um, remember we said that they're still valuing the Heat like the NBA Finals? Well, now all of a sudden they're valuing the Heat not like they were in the NBA Finals. They're valuing the Warriors like they were in the NBA Finals because Curry's back and Draymond's Draymond. The Warriors are giving one to the Heat. The Heat. The Heat, the Heat are on fire. Take the Heat and take the point. Heat will beat the Warriors tonight. I actually would like to take the money line, but take the point just in case it's a one-point game, but it never works that way. Okay, Coca, someone had a good question for us. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. We had several So You Want to Talk to Samsons. We get so many. It's when you go on Twitter, at David P. Samson. Get into the DMs. They're open. They're public. I respond to as many as I can. You can find me on Instagram, but I have a hard time finding those, even though someone just taught me, but I still have a hard time finding those. Just download Twitter and follow me because, please, thank you. And tell your friends about nothing personal, which you are. Coco, weren't we up like 42% year over month or year over year or month over day or day over night or night over day? Some sort of something. I don't know. It was really good. So which one do you want to do, Coca? I sort of really need to talk about Atlanta. Can we just touch on Atlanta? Okay. Someone asked me about Atlanta Mayor Bottoms. And the question was, is it normal for a mayor to beg people not to go to the host city of an all-star game? Uh, No, it's not. What am I talking about? There's a mayor, Mayor Bottoms, in Atlanta, went public saying, listen, No fans are going to the game. We're not allowing any ancillary parties, any get-togethers. You better not come to Atlanta. When you bid for an all-star game or a jewel event, I would like to tell you the reason why you bid for that event. It's because you want 
the tourists come. You want the economic impact, which comes from people visiting your town, paying your local taxes, going to your restaurants, doing all the things that you can actually count and then have disputed by people on the left, but you can actually count and say, wow, this is the economic impact of having the All-Star Game and it's significant. These are days of COVID. Atlanta doesn't want to ruin its place in line by hosting this year's game because they're not getting anything out of it. You don't get out of anything when it's a made-for-TV event. Why not just do it in a studio? Frankly, the, the arenas all look like studios with no fans. But fans are coming back. But they're not going to be a lot of fans. It's a weekend of events in a regular pre-COVID rule world. You get this dunk contest. You get, it's, it's what's it called? It's um, special Friday where you get skills competition in the dunk contest and you get the um, three-point shootout. That's all now happening at halftime before the game or after the, or at the half. A total made-for-TV event. We told you why the NBA is doing it. But Atlanta, by hosting it, gets out of the rotation. I think they should get a chance to host another time to get some sort of bang for the buck. The mayor, whose name is Keisha Lance Bottoms, it hurt her so much to say what was said. It did, but it's the right thing. Now, I don't think they're going to enforce at all all of this. I really don't. I think if there are parties or ancillary events, the players can't go because they're locked in their hotel rooms with the minimum number of guests only in the hallway, I think. But these sort of ancillary get-togethers maybe ease up on enforcing the curfew, maybe ease up on the limits allowed in restaurants and bars. You have to say you're not, but you do. But it hurts at a time when cities and counties are hurting for budgets and general revenue is hurting. It hurts that there's an all-star game in Atlanta and they will not get a benefit. Do you want to know what could happen and what could have happened? Do you know what the broadcaster of the game could have done? The broadcaster of the game said, you know what? We don't want the all-star game. We're not going to show it. Do you know what would have happened if the broadcaster called the NBA and said, we're not going to show your all-star game? Do you know how quick the all-star game would have been canceled and then Adam Silver would have been lauded and applauded? But the broadcaster makes money by having the jewel events and showing the jewel events because it's a highly rated game. They want the game. They don't care about the host city. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the parties. They want the game on broadcast TV. But if the broadcaster had said, no, no, we're going to pass. We're hearing from players. Players drive the league. They don't want to play. We're not going to show it. Guess what? They're going to show the game. The game's going to be played. I actually wonder. I actually do wonder whether stars will show up after saying they didn't want to. Anyway, I appreciate that question. It is so, what a bizarre world. Please don't come to my city. Oy. All right. I, I'd like to do a, another quick topic here for you because there has been some people asking questions about this. And I want to just tell you the way it is. We've talked a lot about the minor leagues. I want to segue to this and I want to close because I think that there is a slight misunderstanding misunderstanding of what the business is of a major league team. The business of a major league team, as you know, globally in a macroeconomic way is to make money. The way they make money is to spend as little money as possible to develop the best possible players, pay them the least amount of money for them to be the most productive they can be. And then when it's time for them to make more money, then 
it is that they're productive, you get rid of that player. They spend tens of millions of dollars developing players, hoping that some of them will become very productive major league players at a young age. Minor league facilities need to be good. They need to have the best people. They need to have the best facilities, the best equipment, the best locations. That is why minor league realignment happened. That is why minor league teams were contracted. It was not an up yours to communities that lost teams or changed affiliations from AAA to AA to single A to AA to AAA. It was done to benefit the major league teams because owners who own major league teams are in charge of the minor leagues. And when they said they've had enough of having their AAA team a thousand miles away and their AA team two flights away, they wanted it to be easier. People are asking all the time, are teams going to send prospects to different levels because they're located maybe closer like the Marlins have AAA and Jacksonville now and AA in Pensacola and the Twins have a AAA team in St. Paul. So are more players going to go to AAA than their AA team? Because that'll cut down on expenses and help with proximity. The answer is no. You do not put a player at a level where that player will not succeed and his development will not be helped just because it's closer to the major league team. You do not mess around with development for the sole reason of proximity should that player be called up. You change the system to help. You don't change the micro in how you handle your players as you develop them to be big leaguers. You simply don't do that. There's not one GM or team president who would ever say to the farm director, I want this player here because it's located here on this team. No, you pay attention to the league. We always put our best prospects at double A, skip triple A. Sometimes they develop in AAA, but mostly the best come from AA. It didn't matter where our AA team was. We wanted it close. We wanted it near an airport. That's good for scouts. It's good for development. It's good for getting players. But the point is, what league are you in? Which AA league? That's what you're looking at, competition. You're looking at the players that your players are playing against because you want them playing against competition that will help them develop and help you know the only thing that you're trying to discover by running a minor league operation, the only thing, not the best giveaway. No, not the best weight room. No, not the best road hotel. No. How do we get the best out of the players at the youngest age possible? That's it. All the stuff you read about minor leagues, all the stuff about major league baseball and all the realignments and all the contraction, that is all about one thing, and it's not development. You know what it is. Say it right along with me. It's just about business. I'm sorry, all of you minor league cities. You know where I'm coming from. It's nothing personal.